0: Well, good evening. It's uh, lovely to be with you again and has been throughout uh, today and to spend time in uh, fellowship with some of the folks from the congregation. Uh, We come here tonight uh, not out of routine or tradition, but we pray to worship the Lord together. Let's do that by singing in Psalm 95 in the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 95, if you've got your books or you'll see it on the screen, it's on page 357. We're going to sing from the beginning to verse 6. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us, everyone. A joyful noise make to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 95, uh, from the beginning. And we're going to sing down to verse 6 to God's praise. Together, Lord our God, we uh, come into your house and uh, we come to sing to you, the Lord, and we come inviting everybody to do so to come and to praise, to make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Other God, many other uh, parts of our lives, they shift like the sand, but you are consistent and constant. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever else changes, Lord, we thank you that you are ever present, that you are always with us. That you will never leave us. We thank you that we have a rock to cling on to. As the psalmist says elsewhere, a rock where our feet can be placed to stand. Because many of us here can testify of how we have been taken from the pit, the mighty clay and our feet fastened to the rock. Lord, we thank you that you are indeed, for many or most of us here this evening, the rock of our salvation. But we know for others that you are the rock of stumbling. Lord, we pray, as we thought about this morning, that indeed we would sense the urgency to share the message of the gospel.
1: To take this good
0: news that we have out into the community here to our homes. That indeed we never left Jesus in this building earlier this morning. And so as we come to your word again tonight Lord we are thankful for what it tells us about you. As we come to one of the letters that has been written to these churches in Revelation. And we have in each of these letters a great description of Jesus himself. And hear the Jesus, the words of the Amen. Amen, Lord, you are the one who is true. The one who has fulfilled the promises that are made throughout Scripture. Amen, so let it be. It is so. And what we read throughout our Bibles... As we even alluded to, Isaiah 53, earlier today.
1: It is so with the suffering servant. It has been revealed through Jesus Christ
0: that he has taken our pain and our suffering and our iniquities, our sin, he has taken it upon himself. It is so. He is the Amen. He is the Yes and the Amen to the promises of God. And Lord, whatever else is going on in our own lives this evening, let us come to the One who has and who is and who will fulfill the scriptures before us this evening he is the one as the testimony often goes on to say the one who is faithful and who is true the true witness Lord we thank you for that truth and we live in a world where truth is my opinion or your opinion but we come and find truth in and through the scriptures, in and through your Son, in and through Jesus Christ. And we pray for our children, our young people, those in school and education where they're been faced with many different perceptions of what may be true. But we pray, Lord, for our children who are here this morning, who are here again this evening, Lord that they would see the truth know the truth hear the truth and the one who declares himself to be the way, truth and life
1: Lord we thank you that Jesus as we celebrate the birth
0: of your son into this world at this time of year but that Jesus didn't begin when he was born but that he is God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit The beginning of God's creation we read in this letter. So Lord, we thank you that we can come tonight. All the different pressures, worries and concerns we may have at home, in our own lives, at work, at school. That we may come for a time this evening to meditate and think about Jesus Christ
1: that we may come to hear what Jesus says
0: and what he is saying to us this evening as individuals, as congregations, as your people. Lord, we pray that we would listen to Jesus, he who is faithful and true. Lord, we thank you. That you are our God that we can come to in all situations. And we pray for this congregation. We pray for those again who are unwell. Those who may be uh, grieving. Those who are mourning the loss of loved ones. And we know this time of year can be a challenging, difficult uh, and sore time. When uh, the memory of those who will not be around the table. Who will not be with them. Lord we pray that you would comfort any and everyone in these situations uh, over this week and uh, perhaps over this season Lord that you would draw near to them be their comfort be their help and Lord we just ask thanking you that you are the one who is able to help in our times of sorrow our times of trouble Lord we ask that you would uh, continue with us as we worship you this evening As we sing to your praises. As we read the word of God. This is the pure and true word. That we are able to hear in our community. That we are able to sit under. The freedom that we have here in this country. In the highlands of Scotland. We remember our brothers and sisters. In many parts of the globe. Who do not have such liberty as we do. Lord we pray that you would be with the persecuted church those who are suffering for their faith. We, we know so little of what that means. And Lord, we just pray that you would be with our brothers and sisters. We are one church in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we come to worship, let us not take it for granted. Let us not waste the opportunity that we have this evening to sing to God Oh come let us worship him. Come let us everyone with joyful noise make to the rock of our salvation. Forgive us. Go with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us sing then again. Psalm 119 in the sing Psalms We're going to sing from verse 25 down to verse 32. It's the fourth section of Psalm 119. My soul is laid low in the dust. Give life according to your word. I showed my ways, you answered me. Teach me your just decrees, O Lord. Psalm 119 from verse 25 to God's praise. going to read uh, this evening in the Word of God from the last book of the Bible, book of Revelation, in chapter 3. Revelation 3, as we've alluded to in prayer, this is uh, one of the letters that are written to the churches. And it's the last letter. It's the last of seven letters
1: to these seven churches in what is now in modern day Turkey. And we're looking at the church of Laodicea. So we're just going to read this section, the last section, the end of chapter 3.
0: From verse 14, let's hear the word of God. (coughs) And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. This is the word of God. We're going to sing on in that psalm, Psalm 119. Again, sing psalms following verses from verse 33. And the fifth section down to verse 40, teach me to follow your decrees, then I will keep them to the end, give insight and I'll keep your law with all my heart to it attend. Psalm 119 verse 33 to God's praise. <clears throat> Would well, you turn with me back in your Bibles to the Book of Revelation in Chapter Three, and we'll look at this uh, final letter given to the Church of Laodicea. I'm sure in your home it's no different. At this time of year, we notice that the Royal Mail are extra busy dropping off partials or Christmas cards to you. But tonight we come to the seventh of seven. Churches who receive a letter from the Prince of Peace himself, Jesus Christ. The seven churches are described for us. Uh, they describe for us what the whole church of Jesus Christ is like. So if you've studied them uh, before, you can read of them. Uh, read chapter 1 first of all, but then you read of these seven churches in the, chapter 2 and 3. But these seven churches describe what the whole church of Jesus Christ is like on earth even now and even here. These seven churches, uh, you can maybe give your own uh, descriptive words for each of them and come up with that yourself. But uh, what I have uh, thought of myself or seen others write of them, Ephesus can be described as loveless. They had forgotten their first love. Smyrna was a persecuted church. Pergamum, they compromised. Thyatira, corrupt.
1: Sardis, dead. Philadelphia,
0: faithful. And finally tonight we arrive at Laodicea. And Laodicea was a wealthy and prosperous city... It was renowned for its medical center, famous for a particular eye ointment that they had. They had a reputation for good clothing sourced from the black sheep in the area. But a city that was better known for its high finance and high fashion and high life was at an all-time spiritual low. This church needs its temperature checked, With a treatment provided. As it does, surely so do we. So let's have our temperature checked and the treatment provided. These two things, the temperature and the treatment. First of all, let's see the temperature of this church of Laodicea. Read again in verse 15. I know your works,
1: Jesus says...
0: You are neither cold nor hot. If the picture of being cold or hot, that imagery would have instantly connected with the congregation in Laodicea. Because the water that they drank every single day was lukewarm. That's a descriptive word you can give to this congregation. They are lukewarm Laodicea. Two nearby cities, they had a wonderful water supply, Hydropolis, just 6 miles away, uh, was renowned for the Hot Springs. And then 11 miles away in the other direction was Colossae, which poured out icy cold water. Laodicea had no water, no water supply of their own, but they did have wealth. And so they sought to get the infrastructure in place and have the water piped from either place, or traveled from either place down to themselves in Laodicea. However, as you can probably imagine, by the time the hot water flowed down, it had cooled down. And by the time the icy cold water had traveled up, it had warmed up. And Jesus said, just This is what he's saying to the church here in Laodicea. Just as the water you drink is disgustingly lukewarm, so are you to me. They were not truly cold, in other words, without any knowledge of the gospel, of the good news, of Jesus. And certainly, no, they were not hot or on fire for the gospel. They were not raving and raving to go with the message of Jesus Christ. They have cooled off from their fervency of vital faith in Jesus. And been distracted by things that were secondary, certainly not the primacy of the gospel when any of us uh, may feel like we have a fever we take our temperature don't we we take it off your children and what you're looking for is uh, to hit a certain number certainly to be in the zone of certain numbers we don't want it to be too high nor do we want it to be too low to be either extreme would not be good for our health but for a healthy gospel church the higher it is, the better. The problem with Laodicea is that they were somewhere in the middle. They were not burning hot for Christ, passionate about the gospel, zealous to see souls saved. They were just going through the spiritual motions. So I say at the beginning of the service this evening, we're not here just out of routine. Or at least we should not be, or tradition, but to worship God. I don't have a a teenager yet, uh, but I do have a toddler. And thankfully, getting her to to sleep, at this stage, is a little uh, less of an issue than it used to be. And some days I even have to wake her up in the morning. Get her up and uh, gently uh, wake her. And in her sleepy state, I say to her, Ayla, it's, it's time to get up. And she'll turn to me and she'll say, No daddy, Isla sleeping. And we can all relate to that, especially in these winter mornings. It's too cold outside of the covers and not too hot underneath. We want to stay where it's comfortable, don't you? You want to be comfortable. Well Jesus' desire is that at a church you would even be one of the others. Even be cold. Of course he wants you to be on fire for the gospel, but such is his hatred for being lukewarm. It's so difficult to heat up the Christian in that lukewarm state who has cooled off. From the fervency they once knew in believing and loving Jesus their Saviour. The Lord is saying if instead of being lukewarm, you were actually so cold that you would feel the chill, that very feeling that you would feel your need to, that would drive you to Jesus. You'll meet, you'll have conversations with people in the street at your work who know nothing about the gospel and they can be amazed. They're freezing cold to the gospel of Jesus. And you tell them the good news and they'll be driven to Christ. And yet, so often in our churches we can be in this state of lukewarm. We're comfortable We have just enough to keep us from true prayer From just enough to keep us from really reading our Bibles Just enough to keep us from feeling our need for Jesus And there's a lot of uh, lukewarm churches today
1: And it can be one of the most dangerous conditions To threaten the life of God's people
0: You know Satan is prowling around. He wants you whatever way he can get you. But if you're lukewarm. He doesn't need to do much with you. Deep down is there anybody more miserable than the lukewarm Christian? I don't have time this evening to delve into this in any great detail but the lukewarm Christian in the sense of them being miserable they have too much of the world to be happy in Jesus but too much of Jesus to be happy in the world so what does the lukewarm church or the lukewarm Christian look like now uh, you can
1: Think about this more, meditate it on yourself this evening
0: or later this week. Let me just uh, give some interpretation, some ways that it may reveal itself. Prayer meetings that may not be well attended, and if they are attended, uh, the prayers may not be from the heart that truly feel the warmth of the gospel. And of course, Translate that to your own time, your private time with the Lord in your homes. If we read our Bibles, we do not stay long enough for the words to sink lower than our eyes and ears. We've simply ticked the box and got on with the important parts of the day. Of course, that is the most important part of our day. The lukewarm Christian may be in church every week. Or he may be missing altogether. Your friends and family uh, see see us going to church. Uh, They know that we claim that there is a heaven and a hell. Yet are we moved? Are we moved by the fact that they are headed to a lost eternity this evening? Uh, we prayed for Corey Brock this morning uh, and the ministers in St. Columbus Free Church at the ETS conference a couple of months ago. He spoke at that conference and one thing
1: st- stuck with me.
0: He mentioned, uh, he was speaking in a lecture uh, on reaching out on evangelism. And one of the things he said is one reason we do not evangelize as much as we should or even as much as we perhaps want to, it's because we deep down truly do not want to, do not care enough about the fact our friends and family are headed for a lost eternity. Others may hear you uh, say that you were converted on such and such a date or year yet can they tell a difference between the way that you live your life and the way they live theirs the church in Laodicea they lacked a seriousness when it came to Christ
1: when it came to the cross when it came to sin and when it came to the loss
0: they lacked a seriousness when it came to Christ the cross, sin and the loss This was more like a club to be a part of than a church to serve in. Sam Gordon writes about this church that theirs was a nominal Christian experience. They were sitting in a lukewarm bath of religion. So I wonder where we are this evening. Have we become uh, lukewarm personally? Or as a congregation, have the days of being on fire for the gospel dampened down? Have the scripture's ability to refresh you morning by morning lost its attraction? Are you reading your Bibles, listening to sermons and yet cannot remember the last time that your heart was moved by what you heard? Ask yourself that question. When was the last time your heart was moved by what you heard in a sermon or read in your Bible reading?
1: Or let me ask you this when you think about Calvary, when you think about Christ on the cross,
0: are you still amazed? That may be what it looks like to be a lukewarm Christian or church. What is the result of a lukewarm Christian? Well Jesus tells us in verse 16. Jesus says in verse 16 about Laodicea. So, Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth.
1: To
0: change the seasonal uh, metaphor. Uh, Just for a moment, if it was the middle of summer and you were desperate for a cold and refreshing drink of water but instead your water bottle has been sitting out in the sun and you go and drink it and it's warmed up, what do you do? You spit it out. It's repulsive. It's the same if you flip it round, if you have a hot drink back to winter. If you have a hot drink and it happens too often, you get distracted with your work or your baby. And by the time you remember, it's cooled down. You don't want to drink it. It doesn't warm you as you desired it would in these cold and dark mornings. You want to pour it away and start afresh. And that is the expectation that we have with this church of Laodicea, right? Perhaps they are just too far gone. Perhaps they've just blown it too many times. Perhaps they've just cooled down too much from where they once were when that church was planted. Perhaps they're just going to be scrapped and a new church is going to be planted instead. Maybe Jesus will just give up on them. Never. He will not pour them out. Instead he will reheat them. By, re- by calling them to repent. As he reminds them of who he is. And what he has done for them. So that they may never lose the wonders. Of what Christ has done. And he wants to do that. With you and me today too perhaps this description of the lukewarm Christian or church has affected you as it did me studying this passage be encouraged Jesus is not done with you he will not abandon you he will not just replace you with someone else as we're going to discover against all of the odds Jesus loves you So let's see the treatment then. If the temperature is lukewarm, let's see the treatment for this lukewarm congregation. Secondly, the treatment. But before Jesus uh, provides the cure, he must diagnose the problem. And we see that in verse 17. For you see, this is the problem. This is what they think of themselves. I am rich. I have prospered. And I need nothing. They think they're rich,
1: they think they've prospered, they think they do not need anything.
0: They were relying on themselves. Because of their wealth, they do not think they need to continue to rely on God.
1: They mention that
0: they have acquired uh, this wealth. They have prospered in this sense they have prospered into this position this material strength is one that they have grown into when the church was planted presumably they did not have endless resources but rather they relied on the Lord they were much in prayer But as the church has grown, so has their accounts. And that's not a bad thing, but Laodicea have allowed it to be a bad thing. They allowed their focus to be shifted from God and to his gifts. We've sometimes heard when the cupboards were empty, the churches were full. But now the cupboards are full, the churches are empty. In other words, we will use God when we need him. We will call on him when we're in crisis. I hope that we're all uh, looking in the mirror this evening, the mirror of Scripture. And the result for us as a church or for us individually, it may not be that we or you are lukewarm, but you must check. Do you still see your need for Jesus this evening? As you did before, as you did five years ago, ten years ago, forty years ago. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you still think of yourself as poor in spirit, or have you grown out of that? Now regardless of how many years you have been a Christian. Grown in faith. Experiences that you've been through. We never grow out of being poor in spirit. Coming empty handed. To the Lord. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross is what we cling on to. Not my years of being a Christian. Not my attendance in the church service. Not my seat at the Lord's table. To the cross of Christ.
1: Poor in spirit.
0: And yours is the kingdom of heaven. And we should care to some extent what people think of us. But we should certainly care what Jesus thinks of us. He says about Laodicea again in verse 17 this is what you really are you are wretched pitiful poor blind and naked that's what he says about the lukewarm Christian in church wretched Jesus saying this not somebody not somebody in the church not somebody in the community Jesus wretched pitiful poor poor and naked the contrast is stark isn't it what Laodicea think of themselves
1: what we may think of ourselves and what Jesus actually
0: says you are what Laodicea thought they were and what Jesus says they are what Laodicea see and what Jesus sees The wealth in their bank account, and what Jesus says is their spiritual bankruptcy. One party is wrong, and it's not he who is described as the Amen, the faithful and true witness. It's not Jesus who's wrong. These were scathing words. None of us would want these to be said about us or our congregation. It's not what was expected Nor was it what the church in Laodicea Would have been expecting Jesus To have written to them in this letter Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked But then they read on And this certainly was not expected either what Jesus says of this church, who are lukewarm, who have cooled off in their fervency and their love for Christ—they who are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked—the next words are not expected either. In verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself. And the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Why are these such great words? Because here Jesus is offering this church. Three gifts. Any of which we would love for Christmas. First of all, who doesn't want gold? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire. This isn't uh, gold jewelry he's talking about. Jesus is referring to genuine faith. Come to me for genuine faith. Peter alludes to the same thing in his letter in chapter 1. Trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith... Of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in the praise, glory and honour of uh, when Jesus Christ is revealed. We need to invest in what never perishes and then we will be truly, truly rich second gift the merchants of Laodicea they were famous for this uh, glossy black wool some of you work with sheep well, these, this black wool that comes from these sheep was used for, for garments beautiful garments and it's as if Jesus is saying to them I know about your beautiful great and valuable black garments but I am giving you pure white garments that you may cover over your nakedness your shame." It's a reminder for us, is it not, to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. We're at the last book of the Bible. Go to the very beginning of the Bible. And there in the third chapter of that first book. Where we have the shame and nakedness. God covering over Adam and Eve's shame and nakedness. When they committed that very first sin in Eden. A sacrifice was made for Adam and Eve to be clothed, but the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross was made to cover over all of this church in Laodicea
1: and all of your sin and shame
0: this evening, too. Put on the pure white garment. And thirdly, Jesus provides an ointment for the eyes so that they may be able to see and be awakened to their condition. That they may see clearly who they are, where they are. Laodicea was renowned for its opticians. People came from all over the world to be treated in Laodicea because they had an ointment to relieve various eye diseases. Well they may have been ahead of their time medically. But they required intervention from the great physician. And Jesus provides a way for them to be able to see clearly. As we referred to John Newton this morning. Amazing grace. I once was blind but now I see. But Jesus tells the church to buy from him interesting he uses that word isn't it to buy from him despite he's saying you're wretched pitiful poor he says they're poor and he's telling them to buy from him
1: (coughs) there is a price for what Jesus is offering there's a price for these gifts that he's laying out before them
0: But they won't be the one to pay for it. How? Well, Isaiah writes in chapter 55, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. There's no price for us to pay, because Jesus Christ, has paid it all. We must come to Him empty, and then we'll be filled. Come with nothing, and you will receive everything. He says in verse nineteen. He goes on, "Those whom be, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent." Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus has identified that Laodicea are lukewarm, but promises that they can catch fire again. That they can be full of the love of God. To a church that has sunk so low as Laodicea, the risen Lord Jesus is showering them in His love. But they must repent. They must repent. (coughs) With their eyes opened to see, they must seize this opportunity. To turn from their selfish pride and return to the Saviour's sides. This was their opportunity and it is ours to notice that Jesus, he gives the call to individuals. There in verse 20, he doesn't say, if any church hears my voice. There in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door, door and knock, if anyone hears my voice. So before you think about the congregation, before you think about knock pain, you must think about yourself. What temperature are you operating at? Are you spiritually cold or hot or lukewarm now this is most certainly a passage for the Christian and for the church however as we finish in the last 30 seconds let me propose it to you who are yet unsaved not with Christ in fact cold this evening do you ever not answer the door of your house Now we may let the phone ring out sometimes. But when somebody has made the effort to come to your home, we seldom let them think that we're not in. Maybe there's one or two occasions you can think of, but seldom we don't uh, go and open the door to them. Well, what effort? And there's hundreds and thousands of sermons being preached in the word Efforts that I just put out here, but what effort Jesus has made to come and knock on the door of your heart. For how many years has He been standing there, knocking, calling you, and you have refused to open the door? Maybe the very fact you are here today shows you're not freezing cold to the gospel because you're aware of at least part of what is offered. Perhaps so you are too comfortable with the way your life is, you see no need of him this evening. Well, may we pray as a church that is on fire for the gospel May our prayer be tonight that your eyes have been opened to see your sin and the door opened to let Jesus in.
1: Let's pray together.
0: Father God, we thank you that you do not give up on us, that you never just pour us away.
1: But you are faithful and committed to your people.
0: Far more committed to us than we are to you. So Lord forgive us for that. And may we truly as your people come repentant this evening. And may we seek to be drawn closer to you again. In genuine faith. For our eyes to be open to see our condition. To put on these pure white garments. As we look at the cross. And see our Savior dying for our sins. He gave his life. So that we may have life. Lord we pray. That we would leave this place different to how we came in that we will be truly warmed in the gospel fellowship this evening through the words of you our God continue with us forgive us in Jesus name Amen we're going to sing Psalm 24 in the sing Psalms from verse 7 down to the end You ancient gates lift up your heads Your doors be opened wide So may the King of glory come Forever to abide Psalm 24 from verse 7 To God's praise may grace, mercy and peace from God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest and remain with each of you both now and forever.